I would ask that everyone here please turn with me in your Bibles to the reading of our text this morning, which comes from the Gospel of Mark. Looking at Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 26. Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 26. Brothers and sisters, hear with me then the the reading of God's Word. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him and asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. He opened his eyes. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home saying, Do not even enter the village. Thus far is a reading of God's Word. Now, brothers and sisters, if I were to ask you, you on a, on a scale from 1 to 10, if 1 was no faith and 10 was perfect faith, what degree of faith do you have Where would you land? Or, thinking about it another way, since we all started at one, no faith. As we look at ourselves presently in our Christian life, whether you've been a Christian for a month, a year, or 20 years, have you seen your faith increase over the course of your Christian life? Now, these questions I'm asking are questions that we have to wrestle with. right? We have to answer honestly in our hearts. And I ask you, and I, I probe you with these questions, really seeking to find out how clearly do you see Christ? How clearly do you see Christ? Right? The, the clearer you see Him, I would assume the, the higher the number you would have gave. Now, I don't ask this because We are to be in competition with one another or comparing ourselves to one another. For we know that the Lord reveals Himself to who He sees fit, how He sees fit, and to the degree that He sees fit. But I ask in order that that we might examine ourselves, which is our Christian duty, in order to see, do we have this continual desire to know Christ more clearly? And if that desire is lacking in us, if it is wanting in us, we need to be reminded right, that our Lord expects our growth in faith. Right? Growth and increase in the Christian life should characterize the Christian. Right? Yes, there will be times where the internal flame for Christ in your heart might dwindle. Right? Where you, you might not feel that close to Christ. You might not have a desire for His Word or for obedience. But the, a mark of the genuineness of one's faith is the continual growth and increase in faith by God's grace. Right? What does Peter write in his second epistle? He writes first, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God, and our Savior Jesus Christ. So he's, he's writing this letter to people who share a common faith, the similar faith as Peter. 
And so how does he then close this letter talking to the saints? He says in chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Peter's clear. He demands of all Christians to grow. Right? We are to be growing in faith. Paul, likewise, in his second epistle to the church in Thessalonica, right, he opens by saying, we give thanks to God, which is only right. Why? Because your faith is growing abundantly. And so the question is, brothers and sisters, can that be said of each of us here? Is our faith growing abundantly? In Mark's Gospel, we have seen our Lord's displeasure with the lack of growth in the faith of the apostles. Time and time again, we have seen Him rebuke and reprimand them for their lack of faith. And it's for this reason, in fact, I would submit to you today that although in our text today, yes, Jesus is trying to draw faith out of this man who is blind. But what I think, even more so what Jesus is doing, is He is using this healing to draw out the faith of the apostles. He is using this event and this opportunity as a means to strengthen and increase their faith, which has been lacking. And I say this because we have to read our text in context. right? We don't read any one verse or one section in isolation. We, we read it in context of the whole Gospel. We read it in context of what comes before and what comes after. And what is it that we've seen happen just before? Right, last week we read that Jesus was not happy with the apostles. After his feeding of 5,000, after his feeding of 4,000, what are they doing? They're still arguing as they're with Jesus and he's trying to teach them about their lack of bread. And what is that, right? That's a lack of faith on their part. Jesus then through question asking wants them to understand that. That's why he says, do you not yet understand? Are your hearts hardened? Remember, and then he asks them. He, re- he makes them recall those, those two feeding miracles. And then he asks it once more. He says, do you not yet understand? Right? Jesus doesn't answer the question for them. Right? He wants them to draw their own conclusion from his questions. He wants them to realize that in fact their hearts have been hardened against the Lord. And then remembering those two feedings, He wants them to be struck by the reality that they had no reason to doubt or to distrust the Lord. And so that is what happened just prior to our text today. Well, what happens right after our text today? As we will see next week, Peter now makes his confession of faith. where The Lord asked him, Peter, who do you... Who do you say that I am? And what is Peter's response? Jesus, you are the Messiah. And so we have to ask, what changed from their lack of faith to now their increased faith? And I would posit to you that it is our text here today. And so for the remainder of our time, what we want to do is ask, what is Jesus teaching and instructing the disciples about in order that their strength, that their faith may be strengthened. And so we're going to look at this together under three points. And those three points are this. The first is that Jesus is ready to help. Jesus is ready to help. Point two, that faith grows by degrees. Faith grows by degrees. 
And point three is that clarity comes only through Christ. Clarity comes only through Christ. And so point one, Jesus is ready to help. So what do we see starting in verse 22? Right, Jesus and the disciples return to Bethsaida. And immediately what happens? Some people bring this blind man to Jesus and beg him to heal them. Now, what do we know about Bethsaida? Right, Jesus has offered a, a grim pronouncement concerning the judgment of this city in both Matthew and Luke's Gospels. Right? He denounced those cities where He performed His works and they rebelled in unbelief. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 21, Jesus says this, Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have long ago repented in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than it will be for you. And so this is a helpful piece of information for us to understand then why Jesus takes this man by the hand and walks him out of the city. right? Because our text doesn't tell us that. But it's a question we ought to ask, right? Why is Jesus taking him by the hand and walking him out of the city? It was just a few weeks ago that we read of the story where Jesus healed a man who was deaf and mute. And we're told he took this man by the hand, but he only takes him off to the side so that he wouldn't be distracted. Right? So we have to ask, why is Jesus not just taking this man off to the side, but rather he's taking him out of the city? And so I think it's safe to conclude from what we know then, right, that Jesus removes him from the city because he's not going to allow this miracle to bear witness to his glory before these people who have been rejecting him. It's a removal of God's grace from this city and an allowance of them to stay in their rebellious and hardened state of heart. I think that also then helps us answer verse 26 for why Jesus tells this man, don't go into the village, but just go home. Right? He doesn't want anyone else to see this man. They would have obviously recognize a blind man, now not blind. So Jesus says, don't even go to the city. Don't show them. Just go home. But for the believer, what is it that we see here, brothers and sisters? What is it that we see here? as Jesus returns back into a city that hates Him, that reviles Him, that has rejected Him. What we see is this, that there is no place so corrupt, there is no city so evil, no state so vile, no country so wicked that our Lord will not go to to redeem His own people. Right, we see this. There are many countries all over the world that are hostile towards Christianity and towards Christ, aren't there? Think of North uh, Korea, maybe North Africa, parts of the Middle East, China. But we can take comfort in the fact knowing that no matter how much vitriol people have against the church in those nations, no matter how much they try to, to stop the spread of the Christian faith, no one will be able to stop our Lord from redeeming His elect from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Look at then verse 23. Jesus takes this blind man by the hand and He led him out. Right? Jesus personally takes this man by the hand, showing this man and the disciples His goodness and His mercy as He leads him along. And what is it that we see in this Gospel and in our text today in, in how these 
men were able to just bring this blind man to Jesus. Right? What it shows to us is that Jesus is not hard to find. And if you're a believer, you understand that here today, don't you? Jesus is very near to us. This is the promise of all those who would call upon Him in faith. The problem is, is that not many call to Him in faith. Not many make use of His availability. Not many understand His ability to answer all of our requests. In Isaiah 65, verse 24, we are told, Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Right? Jesus knows the needs of every one of you here. Jesus knows every one of your struggles. He knows every one of your heartaches and your hurtings. He knows which one of you are in a desperate situation. He knows which one of you are lacking patience, love, self-control, and faith. He knows which one here needs those things. And He says to us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, that the, the Father knows what we need even before we ask. And so we have to ask the question though, why does Jesus then want us to draw near Him like this blind man did and ask to be healed when Jesus already knows what it is that we need? Well, I submit to you, brothers and sisters, that what Jesus is wanting us to do, what Jesus is wanting this blind man to do, is to exercise our faith in Him so that when we do, He will be right there to help us and to answer our prayers, to show us His love and His mercy and His tender kindness to His people. This is what Jesus is teaching His disciples in this encounter as He leads this man away by the hand. He's saying to them, I am ready to do this for each of you. But you must believe that I am able. Believe in Me. Come to Me. Depend on Me. Submit to Me. And I will take you gently by the hand and lead you out of your spiritual blindness. Isn't this what Jesus tried to do with Israel in the beginning parts of His ministry? And yet they refused. And so what are we told happened? As Jesus comes, draws near the city of Jerusalem, He looks out at the city and we're told He weeps. In chapter 19 of Luke, starting in verse 42, we're told this. Jesus says, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you surround you and hem you on every side, tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus is ready to communicate Himself to us. He is ready to lead us and to guide us. The question is, do you desire His guidance? Do you desire for Him to lead you? If the answer is yes, then I ask, what is true faith's response? If the answer is yes, what is true faith's response? It is to not hesitate, to go to the Lord continually for all things. True faith's response is to continually go to the Lord for all things without hesitation. Right? When you are struggling with sin, go to Christ. 
Right? When you are struggling, maybe going through a rough patch in your marriage, go to Christ. When you have family problems, go to Christ. Right? When you need strength to go to work because your coworkers are hostile to the gospel, go to Christ. When you're struggling to make sense of what's going on in the world today, go to Christ. This is the life truly lived by faith. Because the life lived by faith is persuaded that Jesus is ready and willing to hear us and to answer our prayers because of His goodness and His mercy. You see, the apostles denied our Lord's goodness and His mercy when they refused to submit to His rule. You see, if you do not have a heart ready to call on the Lord, if you do not have a mouth and tongue ready to speak His name, that demonstrates a lack of faith. Right? True faith, strong faith, believes in the power and the ability of the Lord. And it desires, it wants, it longs for the Lord to lead us with His hand. Right? Every second of every day, Christ ought to be guiding you. Right? Every decision, in every circumstance, Christ ought to be leading you. This is what true faith looks like. This is what Jesus is trying to convey to the disciples as He walks along with this man holding His hand. But what else is Jesus trying to teach the disciples in this encounter? Well, this takes us to point number two, which is that faith grows by degrees. Look with me once again, starting in verse 23. And He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when He had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again. He opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Now here we have a couple firsts, brothers and sisters. A couple firsts. This is the first time in Mark's Gospel that he heals someone who's blind. Although we've seen a, a diversity of healing throughout this Gospel, right? Which tells us what? That Jesus is not constrained to any one sort of healing, is He? Right? He has healed all forms of, of, of maladies, and yet He has done it though by the same divine power. So diversity of healing, same divine power. Isn't that true of our conversions as well? All of us, we weren't saved from the exact same thing, right? Some of us may have been drunkards. Some of us perhaps hated people, right? Some of us were sexually immoral. Some of us practiced a false religion. Some of us were atheists. But it was the same divine power and same Holy Spirit that converted everyone's soul here today. Now, what is also a first is that when Jesus heals today, He heals in a, in a two-stage process. He heals in a two-stage Usually throughout all the Gospel thus far that we've read, He touches someone and immediately they're healed. He, he speaks the Word and immediately they're healed. And so the question that we ought to ask is, well, why does it take Him two times to heal this man? Right? Is, is this man's blindness just doubly tough for Jesus to heal? The answer is obviously no, brothers and sisters, right? This was a sign to the disciples. This two-stage healing was a sign to the disciples. Remember, last week, verse 18, Jesus addressed the vision problems of the disciples. He says, have you eyes and do not see? 
Right? So Jesus touching this man once, not once, but twice, demonstrated to them the gradual nature of faith. He's demonstrating to them the gradual nature of faith. You see, the disciples had eyes to see, but it was clouds and fog that were before their eyes. And I think all of us know what that's like, don't we? Right? We know that it takes time. Faith builds. It must be elevated. It must be increased. But it does not come all at once. It, it comes in stages. And so Jesus is showing the disciples and touching this man not once but twice that they need to be touched by the Savior again. They need an additional touch from the Lord so that they might see more plainly and more clearly. Right? Understanding who He is would cause their faith to grow. Now, in this miracle, obviously, Jesus is also trying to teach this man something, right? He, he spits upon this man's eyes. He lays his hands on him. Now, the spit is just a symbol, right? It's a sign. It's telling the man as it hits his eyes that your eyes are what are, is what is going to be healed. right? There's no magic formula in Jesus' spit. Neither is there any magic in Jesus' touching this man. right? Remember, it was the divine power of our Lord that healed this man. And yet, after this touch, Jesus asked him, did you see anything? What is it that you've seen? Do you see anything? And what does the man respond? He saw people that looked like trees. And so what does this tell us, though? I think what it tells us is that man, this man here probably wasn't born blind because he understood what a tree looked like. He knew how to differentiate between different objects. But even in his response, although this Man's vision was blurred. What we see is that what he perceived was right. So his vision was blurry, but what he perceived was right. He said, although they looked like trees, he knew they were people. And isn't that how we all see? We all have vision issues, don't we? No one's vision is perfect. We understand some things about the Lord, but there's a vast ocean still to learn. Right? We understand something about the doctrines of grace, but there is so much more to learn. We understand something about our own sin and wickedness, but there's so much more still to know. We see in stages, brothers and sisters. Think about your own conversion. You know, maybe if you grew up in a Christian home, you knew something of, of doctrine and practice. Uh, but if you grew up in a secular home or in nominal Christianity, when you were converted to Christ, what happened? It was probably a shock to your system, all the doctrine and practice of the church, isn't it? We knew that we believed and we trusted in Christ, but we didn't really know that much more. Right? We seen dimly at first. I mean, think about what happens when you maybe travel to a, a foreign land that you've never been before. When you first get there, what happens? You're kind of out of sorts. You're not really sure where you're going. Why is that? It's because you're not accustomed to the land. Well, this is what happens to us when we are brought to faith in Christ. Not entirely sure which way we're going. What do I believe about this doctrine or that doctrine? What does my belief then tell me about my practice? And what does that tell me about where I should be going to church? All these things came with time and continue to be made more clear to us through time and as our faith grows. But what we see in this miracle is that blurred vision is still true in real vision. Right? Blurred vision is still true in real vision. It just needs to be made more clear. Just like weak faith is still true and real faith, it just needs to be strengthened. Right? Even weak faith lays hold to the merits of Christ. 
It just needs to learn to trust in Him fully. So what the Lord is, is trying to teach His disciples. J.C. Ryle says, We are like those who travel by the night. Isn't that true? We are like those who travel by the night. But this should cause us to desire after the pure milk of God's Word in order that we might see our Savior more clearly. We should want to understand our God better. We should want to understand our Redeemer better. We should want to understand ourselves better. We should want to understand what our God desires of us, what pleases Him, so that we might do those things better. Peter says in 1 Peter 2.2, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up in salvation. If you want to grow in knowledge and understanding, if you want to grow in knowledge of Christ's presence in your life, then be people of the Word. Be people of the Word. And I wonder how many of us, as we sit down to read our Word, as we sit down to read the Word of God, do we ask the Spirit first, Spirit, please help me. Lead me. Guide me. Direct me. Please, Christ, take my hand and lead me through Your Word as I read. My brothers and sisters, what else I want us to see is that we all start somewhere. We all start somewhere in the faith. And so we are not to despise anyone for weak faith. We are not to look at someone who has weaker faith than us and look down upon them. And we must also remember that we all lack faith in different areas. But what we all can be encouraged by, though, is that every one of us, through faith in Christ, receive all of His benefits, even though we have weak and imperfect faith. Right? The one with the smallest amount of faith to the one who has the greatest amount of faith all receive forgiveness of sin. All receive adoption. All receive justification. This is what Jesus' healing shows us today. Sight is sight. Seeing is seeing. Even though it's not as good as it should be. We all have sight problems. We all have blind spots. We all have clarity issues. But thanks be to God that He does not withdraw His hand, but He grabs our hand and He still leads us and increases us in the faith. Remember how dimly the Old Testament saints see in the New Testament realities. What are we told in Matthew chapter 13, verse 17? For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it and hear what you hear and did not hear it. Right? Jesus is telling the apostles at this time. Right? They saw dimly. They longed for what you have. You have God in the flesh. Redemptive history has progressed. Think about it now. What we see that they didn't see at this time, we now have the entirety of the Scriptures. Remember at this time, the apostles haven't seen the death and resurrection yet. What this means is that God builds our faith in degrees. Right? Just like in degrees, God healed this man of his blindness. Right? Our spiritual, we are not delivered from our spiritual blindness right away. It comes stage by stage, time by time. But brothers and sisters, you know what this should cause us to do? This should cause us to look forward to the day in which we will see all things clearly. What do we read in verse 25? The man opened his eyes, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. This man now had 20-20 vision. This leads us then into our third and final point this morning. 
which is that complete clarity only comes through Christ. Now, if there is a parallel to be drawn from this man's perfect vision to the Christian faith, what I would say to you is that it is glorification. There's a parallel between his perfect vision and something in the Christian life. It is glorification. Right? It's not until we are glorified that we will see perfectly clear. It is not until we are in glory that we will have no lack of anything. We will have no want for anything or nothing. And so the Christian life is a life of a growth until the day we die. It's only then will our blindness and our hardness of heart be fully extinguished from us. But what we learn through Jesus' work is that if anyone desires for this clarity, it will only come through Christ. If anyone desires clarity, it will only come through Christ. Christ. Right? This man could find healing nowhere else. I, I think it's safe to assume that he, you know, he probably went and looked to be healed by probably numerous people. But no one was capable. No one was powerful enough. Such is the same with salvation. There is salvation to be found nowhere else but in Christ and Christ alone. This is what we're told in Acts 4.12. Right? And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And those who our Father has predestined, He has called. Those He called, He has justified. Those He justified, He will glorify. Which is what to us? It's a promise that although we see dimly, we will one day see crystal clear. And Jesus tells us that He will come back to bring us to Him. John 14.3 And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to Myself that where I am, you may also be. Jesus is the one going. He is the one coming. He is the one bringing. What this teaches us is that if Jesus doesn't do it, it will never be done. Right? If Jesus doesn't grant to us sight, if Jesus doesn't give to us His Spirit, if Jesus doesn't impart to us faith, if Jesus doesn't grow us in the faith, it will never occur. This is because we, like this man in the story, are born blind. We are blind. We are born under the curse, outside of the covenant, with evil and earthly hearts and minds, not able to understand anything that is spiritual in nature. The blind man in the story couldn't tell Jesus from anyone else that was standing around him. Why? Because he was blind. He couldn't tell. He couldn't see. Such is true with faith. We are all born blind to Christ. We are born blind to His truth. We are enslaved to darkness. It is only till Christ removes that spiritual blindness that we can now see and believe and increase in faith. But this should comfort us as it surely comforted the apostles as they see that the one who was able to heal this man of his blindness is likewise able to heal us of our lacking and weak faith. And so the question, brothers and sisters, is this. Do you have clarity? Do you have clarity? Do you desire greater clarity to know Christ? If you do, what are we to do? If you want greater clarity of who your Savior is, what are we to do? Well, the answer is we are to ask. We are to ask for clarity. We are to ask the one who gives all good things to his children, right? What does Paul say? I planted, Apollos watered, but who caused the growth? It's God who caused the growth. 
even as I'm talking to you about our need to grow in the faith, you need to understand that even our growth is all of grace. And so if you want to increase your weak faith and you want it to be made mature, you have to go to the one who gives you the grace to do so. James says in chapter 1, verse 5, If any lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. So we are to be in prayer, asking God, provide us greater faith. Please, Father, give us greater clarity. Jesus Himself said on the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Brothers and sisters, are you satisfied with what you know of Christ now? Do you hunger and thirst for more knowledge of your Savior? Are you satisfied with the little growth and the weak faith and the little increase that you see? If you aren't, then we need to be in His Word often. We need to be at church. We need to be in fellowship with other saints. We need to pray. Just like those people in the story who brought Jesus, this blind man, we also need to come like they did, begging. This is how we become mature in Christ. This is the means that Christ uses to give us clarity. So as we close then, I want to exhort every one of you today, hold tight unto Christ's hand. Let Him lead you and, and guide you so that your faith may grow. Right? That you may have greater clarity so that you might see Christ your Savior more clearly. Please bow your heads with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for Your Word this morning. May it bless everyone here. May You use it to cause us to grow in the faith and knowledge and understanding of our Lord. We ask, Father, that You would give us a desire to grow and to increase, a desire to read Your Word and to sit under the preached Word and to fellowship with the saints and to pray often. Father, we ask that You would grant to us obedient hearts. For we know we are weak and frail and oftentimes lethargic in our spiritual life. And so we ask, Father, that You would grant to us by the power of Your Holy Spirit a desire to know Christ more clearly. So, Father, we come before You this day asking all these things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.